Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Barefoot Church. And a happy Father's Day for those of you who are dads. And I pray that you have a great day today. Uh, it's sunny and bright, and uh, you have all kinds of laughter and joy. Uh, there's a place in the Bible, um, in uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus is talking to us, and he uses an interesting um, example, phrase. And what he says is, um, what if your son asks you for a piece of bread? What if your son asks you for a loaf? What if your son asks you for some bread? What father would give his son a stone? What father would give his son a stone? Now, he has some other examples of that. For instance, he says, what if your son asked for an egg and you gave him a scorpion? Or what if your son asked for a fish and you gave him a snake? But we're going to focus on your son asks for bread. What father would give his son a stone? Jesus' answer is, um, if, if as a fleshly, earthly father, uh, you are born into evil, you are by nature evil because of the fall, and even you, as, as a fleshly person, you know how to give good gifts to your son. That indeed you give him bread because that's what he asked for. You don't give him a stone. And Jesus said, now you, Father, you know how to treat your children right. You know how to treat your son that he has the bread. And Jesus continued, I want you to know that your heavenly Father even does greater things in gifting you giving you a gift because he is heavenly father and knows how to be good father with great, wonderful, greater gifts to us. Now that comes from Matthew 7, and that's from Jesus. Jesus is using that example. So kind of keep that in the back of your mind. What I'd like to is, is switch now to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 4. <clears throat> now, several things have happened. Um, Jesus has, has walked along and has met his cousin, John the Baptizer, who is baptizing in, in, the, in the river. And so Jesus goes over and John baptizes him. Remember the scene? Now, what you may not recall is after the, baptize, after the baptizing of Jesus by John, Jesus leaves and goes into the wilderness. Now, Luke records for us, in, uh, in chapter 4, that um, Jesus went to the wilderness, uh, having been filled with the Spirit, and he went to the wilderness to spend 40 days being tempted by the devil. And during the 40 days, Jesus didn't have anything to eat. So 40 days of temptation by the devil um, and a fast. Now, something happens here, and the reason I'm going this direction is I believe, especially as fathers, we have something to tell our children. We have something to describe to our children. We have something to teach our children that they might learn, that they might learn well from a good dad. So in looking at Jesus's time in the wilderness, um, I want to focus on, on three areas, on, on three areas that, that Luke tells us that something happened that's really significant for us also. So Jesus is in the wilderness, he's being tempted by the devil, and he is now finishing his 40 days. And Luke writes, and Jesus was hungry. 
and Jesus was hungry. Suppose after 40 days of not eating, I think maybe that would that would make sense. Now, an interesting thing happens is the devil comes to Jesus and said, you know, if, if you're the son of God, the devil is saying this to Jesus, if you're the son of God, why don't you take this stone and turn it into bread and then you can satisfy your hunger? It makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, if, if, um, if I'm hungry, um, my focus is to get something to eat. If I'm hungry, I know that I have to satisfy myself. My, my focus is on taking care and making sure that I get bread. I have material things, I have money to buy, I have a house to, I, and so forth. And, and that's sort of, sort of the focus here of the question. Jesus' response to the devil um, comes actually from, from Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy the, means the, the second law or the second giving of the law. So Deuteronomy um, chapter eight, uh, verse three goes like this. And this is what Jesus responds when the devil says, look, if you're the son of God, just take that stone and turn it into bread so then you can satisfy your hunger. And Jesus says back to the devil, um, I want you to know, according to the scripture, according to my father, according to the writings, uh, you don't live just by eating bread. And that's where, that's where Luke leaves it off. Jesus said back to the devil, you don't live by eating bread by itself. Now in Deuteronomy, the verse continues, and this is how the verse three of chapter eight continues. It continues like this. You don't live just by eating bread, but in other words, however, you live by listening and paying attention to every word that comes out of the mouth of God. You listen and you listen and you learn. You learn by everything that comes out of God's mouth. So this is an interesting concept because here we have, we know from New Testament that the word of God is, is the writing, is the scripture, is the Bible. So live by the Bible, live by the scripture, live by the word of God. And we also know the word of God is Jesus. John chapter one, four, Jesus is known as the word. So the Bible, the scripture, uh, Jesus hmm, as the word of God. And then the moving of Holy Spirit in our life. So it's not by bread, it's not by this physical part, it's not by what we think we need, it's instead, and also to, to have our focus on spiritual things, on the scripture, on Jesus, on moving and directing of Holy Spirit. And this is how Jesus countered the devil in what's called the temptation of the wilderness. He responded, Jesus responded, after the devil said, just, just take that stone and make it to bread. Then you, can, you won't have to be hungry anymore. And Jesus responded, no, it's just not the bread, but it's also the word, every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So that's, that's the one. And as, as, as a dad, especially as a dad, we have the responsibility to make sure our sons, our daughters know that there's something more to life than just what is obvious, the physical, just the house, the building, the car, just the whatever we focus on that is the temporary. By this part right here, the first temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, we learn that now there's another part of our life that's even more important, and that is our spiritual life. Listening, learning from every word, the scripture, Jesus, Holy Spirit, that God gives us.
Now, another thing happens. The second thing that happens is, is the devil takes Jesus and puts him on a high place. And the devil arranges that every nation, every kingdom on the whole earth is right there for Jesus to see. So the devil looks around and says, look, see all this? See all these kingdoms, all these kings, all these rulers? See all this authority? See all this power? All their soldiers and all their, and all their might, all their control over their people, all of this belongs to me, and I have the right to give it to you. So the devil's saying, Jesus, see all these kingdoms, see all these kings? I'll give it to you. I'll give all these kingdoms to you. I'll give all this authority, all this power, all this control to you. And then the devil says, Jesus, they're all yours if, if you worship me. If you bow down before my feet, if you worship me. The devil says to Jesus. Jesus' response then again comes from Deuteronomy. This time it's from Deuteronomy um, chapter 6. And it's, it's uh, chapter 6 of Deuteronomy and then verse about 13. And it goes like this. For the Bible tells us, Scripture tells us, devil, that um, we only serve. We only worship one. We only worship uh, Yahweh Elohim. We only worship uh, Jehovah Elohim. We only worship the Lord God. And so Jesus' response to the devil is, uh, I don't bow down to you. Uh, I don't worship you. For we are told in Scripture, Deuteronomy 6.13, we worship one person. We bow down and praise and glorify and worship one person. And that is the Lord God. Only. Only. So the second understanding is, that especially as fathers, we need to let our sons and daughters know and stand in our family that there's one person we worship. It's not all these other distractions. It's not all these other things that we can focus on and worship, like our iPads or our phones or the job or the money or the... It's the one who has our worship, the one who has our praise and our attention and our bowing down is the Lord God only and so that's how jesus answered the devil in, in in temptation or in the test number two that we find in luke now a third time the devil not to be um not to be frustrated because now he's offered jesus have bread and jesus said now you don't live by bread alone but rather what comes out of the mouth of god and and then we'll look at all this power and authority and control that you can have just about out of worship angels. Now, nah, you only worship one. You worship only the Lord God. Only. So the third time now, number three, uh, the devil takes Jesus and he, he puts him up on the very highest part of the temple in Jerusalem. So from the high area that Jesus saw all the kingdoms of the world, all the kingdoms of the world, and from the area in the wilderness where there were stones that the devil said here, make bread, now the devil puts Jesus on the center of all worship, on top of the temple in Jerusalem. Now, you might wonder about this, but, but where, where Jesus is placed on that part of the temple is probably about 200 feet, somewhere between 100, 180 and, and 220 feet off the ground. So it's, it's a pretty, pretty big distance. 
what one of the translations says, and Jesus was placed as a dizzy, dizzying height. I suppose so. It's pretty high. And Jesus is standing on the wall. The devil has put Jesus on the side so that he's, that's 200 feet down, and Jesus is standing there. So you kind of ask yourself here for number three, what does the devil have in mind? And what the devil says is, jump. On the very high part of the temple in Jerusalem, to clear the ground, 200 feet, and the devil says to Jesus, jump. And then the devil, using some scripture, using scripture inappropriately, using scripture that says something that seems to fit, but it doesn't, because that's not the intent of the scripture. The devil says to Jesus, quoting scripture, the devil quotes to Jesus after he says, jump, the devil quotes scripture and says to Jesus, I'm going to say why you should jump right now. And so what the devil says to Jesus is, what the scripture says, and the scripture that the devil is quoting to Jesus comes from Psalm, uh, Psalm 91, um, starting with verse 11, Psalm 91, um, verse 11. And what the devil says is, Jesus, because the scripture says that you'll jump and the angels will put their hands around you, their arms around you and hold you, and your foot won't even touch a rock. Because that's what the scripture says, jump, jump, jump. Jesus has another answer for the devil. Again, from Deuteronomy, from Deuteronomy. And this comes again from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And now we jump up to the, the um, verse number 16. And Jesus says to the devil, um, do not, do not test the Lord God. Do not try or test Yahweh Elohim. Do not test God. And that was Jesus's third answer to the third temptation or the third test that the devil gave Jesus after he finished his fast, after he finished the 40 days in wilderness. Now, what this means, uh, don't test the Lord your God, it actually comes from a place in, in Exodus. And the, the picture is Moses has, has now brought the children of Israel. Moses has, has now brought the children out of Egypt, and they are just beginning their wanderings, their meanderings, as it were, in, in the wilderness. And the people start saying to Moses, uh, Moses, we're, we're hungry. Uh, where's our bread that we need? Uh, Moses, we're hungry. Feed us. Uh, Moses, we're hungry. We're hungry. Now, we heard this somewhere before in Jesus' temptations, haven't we? Here, just turning these stones into bread. And, and both, both Luke, but also here in Exodus, Moses says what God did is he, uh, he sent something. And it came, and the people would harvest it or pick it up in the morning and eat it, and it gave them nutrition. It gave them strength. Now, the people had no idea what it was. Well, neither did Moses, for that matter. What they called it was manna. They were hungry. They were complaining to Moses. God sent manna. Manna means, what is it? Or, I have no idea what this is. Or, what's that? Don't know. 
And in fact, Luke repeats this over in Luke. He says, your ancestors ate stuff they didn't even know what it was. And their children ate stuff they didn't even know what it was. And remember, it's Luke who reports the temptation of Jesus. You don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So the children of Israel, the people who were wandering around, lived by manna, gathered every morning, gathered every morning. They ate manna for the whole time trekking around the wilderness. For how much? How long? <laughs> 40 years. 40 years. Now the people were going along and, and eating manna, eating the bread that, that God had provided, manna from heaven. Uh, what is it from heaven? I don't know. And, and they started complaining. Moses, uh, we're thirsty. Moses, we're, 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 we need water. Moses, we're, we're, we're thirsty. Do something, do something, do something. And then they said, God brought us out here to die. We're thirsty, Moses. God brought us out here that all of our children are going to die. Not, not only us, we're going to die, but our children are going to die. Because we're thirsty. We're thirsty. And then they said, you brought us out here that even our animals are going to die. And so the people complained more and more to Moses. They wanted to, the wording here is they wanted to stone him. They wanted to take stones and throw it at Moses and kill him. Because he's the one who said he listened to God and brought them out of Egypt. He listened to God and was trekking them around, even though the manna was there. Now the water wasn't there. We want water. We're thirsty. Moses listens. He's troubled. The people are saying, God's not even here. The people are saying, see, we knew it. God doesn't even exist. We knew it, Moses. It's just you, not God. We don't even think God hears us. We know God doesn't even exist because we're thirsty. We want water. We're dying. Our children are going to die. Our animals are going to die. There is no God. He's not here. He doesn't care. So Moses went to God. Lord, Lord God, uh, the people want to kill me. Lord God, the people are complaining. Lord God, something's happening here, and I don't know what. Do we ever get in that position of complaining? Something occurs. We go through something. We see something. We experience something. And immediately we say, God is no longer with us. God doesn't hear us. God doesn't care. God's not going to listen to us or do anything. All he's trying to do is hurt me, kill me, kill my child, kill my animals, kill my life, as I think is important. What God does is he tells Moses, Moses, take your staff that you touched upon the sea that has spread and the people went across on dry land. Take that staff and touch this rock and watch what happens. Moses does, water flows out. Water springs out of the rock. Now, something important in the, the New Testament is Jesus with the bread at the Last Supper. Remember, my body broken for you. Um, eat bread from heaven. Uh, be satisfied. 
And something also happens with the water. Remember the uh, stories, the living water, the spring eternal dwelling up inside? Jesus is answering for us the question that occurred with Moses' people in the wilderness. The testing of God. God, you're not there. The complaining of God. You're not here. The uh, understanding that uh, we're testing God. God's not coming through. Therefore, he doesn't exist. He doesn't love us. He doesn't care. Fathers, we have to help our sons. We have to help our daughters. Understand there's going to be times of trials and tribulations. There's going to be times of want or pain or sorrow. Doesn't matter. God is still on the throne. It's still his name, the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, who made us, created us, who gave us breath, who gives us life, who gives us bread, who gives us water in ways that are absolutely unknown. And that was the third temptation, and what that says to us today, where it comes from. The second temptation, the one with the, the power, the authority, the control. We need to let our sons know, we need to let our daughters know, that something that's going to pull on us occasionally is this need to have control. It's a position that says, I can determine what happens with my life. It's a position that says, look how much like God I am. Or, no, really, I'm God. Or, I've got to have more control. I've got to have more authority. I've got to have more power. We need to let our daughters, our sons know that we need to surrender. We need to surrender to God. One, we worship. There's only one who we worship, and that is the Lord God. Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God. There's only one we bow down to, not the authority, not the control, not the power, not the fame, but the Lord God we worship. No matter what, we worship God as number one. And that was, that was the second temptation and how that talks to us today. Now the first was, uh, the bread, the stones um, into bread, my hunger, my thirst. All of us uh, have hunger. All of us have thirst. Uh, we have these feelings. We have these needs. We have these things. And sometimes they get out of proportion. They get out of control. They get way too important in our life. That we put our emphasis off of where God is. We put our emphasis only on material which is what Jesus was quoting here when he said, you don't live by bread only. You don't live by bread alone. He's saying, realize that we have this physical body. We have these physical things around us. We have these material, but that's not the important. The important is the spiritual. Understanding God's place in our life, understanding the importance of scripture, the importance of Bible, of gathering together, of praying, of being together and understanding, listening to the word of God, Jesus, listening to the word of God, the scripture, listening to God's promise of Holy Spirit in our lives. Oh, fathers, we're blessed to have children. We're blessed, but we're also challenged. Lead forth, 
in knowing the Lord your God in all of your heart, your mind, your spirit, in all of your life, that your children may know God. These are three examples of Jesus in the wilderness. And the example of God telling us, don't give your son a stone or a scorpion or a snake. Instead, give your son bread or the egg or the fish. Be a good father. Be a good dad. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for being perfect, for being whole, for caring about us, for loving us, for making us Lord, and for giving us Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Lord, the Word. Lord, thank you for resurrection, for new life, for having our focus, Lord, be on you, our Father, our Creator. Lord, thank you for fulfilling your promise and sending spirit holy into our lives. For Lord, we believe, we trust. Lord, we praise you and worship you because of what you've given us and because of presence in our, in our lives of the Holy Spirit who quickens, who guides, directs, who calls to our memory, Lord, those things that you taught us and told us. Lord, we praise your name Lord, thank you that we can have children, sons and daughters. Thank you that we can be fathers. Thank you for our fathers now. In Jesus' name, amen.